Hello, Real Life family and friends. Pastor Tim again with you as we continue our series on our family, the church, our real life family, a vision for who we are together and how we're called to do life together. Uh, two weeks ago, we started this by talking about the five purposes of the church. And uh, you can check that, that video out if, uh, if you didn't get a chance to see it yet. And then last week, we talked about the structure of the church and how everything um, that is healthy has a healthy structure. And so we talked about how God has structured his family, how Jesus has put into place um, uh, you know, uh, pastors, uh, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, also elders in the local church and deacons and those that are called and anointed by God to help create a care structure or a love structure for the family. And so today I'm really excited to announce that as a church, uh, as a real life family, we're anointing and putting into place 25 uh, individuals that we're gonna call deacons. So I wanted to share with you about the leadership style of the church and why we're doing this and, uh, and what that's gonna, how that's gonna affect our family. And, and it will affect our family in great ways to strengthen us so that everybody's prayed for, everybody's cared for, everybody's known. And that's the goal uh, of, of this next step that God's leading us to take. So I wanna talk about today leadership. And leadership in the kingdom or in Jesus's way is serving. And I wanna compare that to the world's way of doing things because it is as far as I can tell opposite so Jesus's style if we were to just label it with one word would be serving and the world's I think world's way of looking at leadership would be ruling and these are in opposite uh, you know structure these are opposite styles and structures so let's talk about that and I want to talk about it by uh, referring to a couple different stories about Jesus teaching his disciples, okay? So the first one is that, well, Jesus made it very clear that, uh, that, that his leadership style or the kingdom's way is opposite of the world's way. And one story is found in Mark chapter 10, and two of the disciples who are brothers, James and John, come privately to Jesus and they ask him for a favor. And basically this favor is, hey, Jesus, when you get to glory, when we all get to glory in the kingdom of God and, and the, whole, you know, the whole kingdom is, is come and, and we're, we're at that place, can, can I sit on your right and can my brother sit on your left? And that's what they requested. They wanted to be right next to Jesus. Well, who wouldn't want to do that? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we would all want to do is be close to Jesus. But they also are looking for a place of importance, a position of importance. And when the other disciples heard about what they asked, they were indignant. They were so upset. And I wonder if they were upset because they didn't think of it first, or they didn't ask first, or if they're just jealous. Uh, but you know, within our human nature, we all want to be at the top, right? We all want to be at the top. We have this uh, surrounding us everywhere in our society. We all want to get the top grades, uh, get the winning trophy, uh, you know, have the highest position and title. And so Jesus sees the, the, the disciples arguing about this. And so it says, we're going to pick up the story in verse 42 of Mark chapter 10. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. 
Or in other words, to lord it over someone is to exercise dominion over, to be ruling over, controlling over. And, and their high officials exercise authority over them. To wield power is what to exercise authority means. They are holding the people under them. They are dom, dom, having dominion over them. They are exercising power over them. Then he says this, not so with you. We are doing it different than the world's way. Whoever wants to become great, instead, whoever wants to become great among you, this is his main point. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Not the ruler, but the servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is not just using words. He is using his life as an example. We know that he came to give his life. He says the Son of Man did not come to be served. Although if anyone deserved, deserves to be served, it is the creator of the universe. <laughs> Can I get an amen from somebody? I mean, come on, if anybody deserves glory, honor, praise, service, if we owe anything to anyone, it's certainly Jesus. And yet he says, I did not come to be served or to, to take a title or to have dominion over. Um, I have come to serve and to give my life away as a ransom for you, to restore you. He came to serve us. And so this is the difference. And so I just want to make a quick, couple of quick observations about this. In serving Jesus's way, a leader has less rights. Whereas in the world would see someone who's seeking more, and I don't know if I'm going to spell this right or not, but privileges, right? So you see the difference in the kind of the motive of these two styles. In Jesus's model, the leader is all about giving. And in the world's way, it's all about getting, right? What more can I get because of my power or my position? Uh, in this Jesus's model, he's about promoting the benefit of others. So he is promoting, lifting up others. And this one is self in the world's way. This is self-promoting. How much higher can I go? How much more money can I make? How much more authority can I gain? Um, this model here in Jesus is about coaching and investing in other people, you know, trying to build people up, trying to grow people. And uh, this world's way is more about using people under, under them, right? Uh, and then finally, uh, this model here is about, Jesus' model is about protecting people. And in the world's leadership style, we see a lot of manipulating people for their own, own sake. So which leader do you want to be under? <laughs> you know, a win, a win in this column is the benefit of others. Okay, 
The benefit of others. That's what this is all about, Jesus says. We're here to serve others, to build others, to protect others, to give our life away, to not gain more rights. A win over in the world's column is instead of others, it's self. It's more money, more power, more fame, and it's all about me, right? So to be clear, as we are talking about our family, our desire and our goal is for each and every one of us to take this position. Whether um, we're just in the family, loving one another, serving one another, preferring one another, or if we're in a position, what, what the position of service uh, as a deacon or an elder or a pastor or a life group leader or a teacher, a school teacher, a Sunday school teacher, any of this right here, this all applies to every one of us, but we're surrounded by this model. And this model is of the world and it is self-promoting, it's using, it's self-centered, but this is Jesus' model. So he's teaching his disciples. We're not like that. This is not what I'm doing. This is not what I'm promoting. This is of the world. But this, this is true greatness. If you want to be great, you don't go to the top. You actually go to the bottom. And as a leader, you surrender your life to those that you serve. So this is the culture that we are building at real life, that we are seeking to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and serve one another, to lower ourselves to one another. So Paul writes this to Philippians in chapter 2, verses 3 to 8. This is for all of us. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing over here or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking out for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He goes on to say, In your relationships with one another in the family of God, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Be like Jesus. Follow his example. And then he explains, Who, Jesus, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he is the king of the universe. He's God, but he isn't going to use his position or power for himself, is what Paul is writing about. Rather, he made himself nothing. He came all the way down uh, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So first and foremost, Jesus exchanged his God position and his God nature to come down to be like one of us, a human. But he went even further than that. As a human, he also took the lowest position possible by giving his life and surrendering it at the cross. He actually went even lower than just humanity. He went to the lowest level of humanity to be a servant of all humanity. And it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the model of Jesus. And so Jesus, listen to this phrase, Jesus went all the way down to lift us all the way up. That's leadership. That's godly leadership. That's the Jesus way. Jesus went all the way down to lift us all the way up. That's the style of leadership in a godly, Christ-like church, where we individually go down to lift others up. We give away 
to invest in others' success. We build each other up. We don't tear people down. We don't climb on people, right? We lay our life down. We give our life away that others will have life. This is the Jesus model. And when we all start to do that and continue to do that and build on that success, that is true greatness. That is true greatness in the kingdom. That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples. And it's not an easy lesson to learn. So Jesus has to repeat it several times during his ministry to get this through to them because they're so ingrained and so are we. We're so ingrained in this model of comparing and trying to compete and trying to be better than and climb up some sort of invisible success ladder where we think there's power and greatness at the top. But Jesus says, you don't go up, you go down, you go down. So great leaders do not use their power for themselves like Jesus modeled, but for the benefit of others. And so the first thing I want you to understand here is that greatness is not measured by power. Jesus had all the power and he used all this power to go all the way down. He gave it all away. So greatness is not power. It's not having power over people. It's in serving people. All right. The second time that uh, uh, the second lesson about this, I want to refer to uh, a story, I should say, uh, of Jesus with his disciples is found in Luke chapter nine. And at the beginning of Luke chapter nine, we see that I'm going to read a couple verses. It says, Jesus called together the 12 and he gave them, listen to this, power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. Jesus gave them power to cast out all demons and to cure diseases, just like he was doing. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he gives them the authority and the power, sends them out to go do it. And they do. Says, so they set out in verse 6 and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Well, I think maybe some of the stuff went to their head. Because later in the chapter, uh, in verse 46, it says, An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. So, I mean, Jesus is, maybe he's sitting over by the fire, maybe they're on a walk and they're behind Jesus a little bit. And they start arguing who's better. Who's better? I wonder what they were saying. I mean, were they arguing about who had the greatest miracles or who healed the most people or who had the most dynamic ministry or who knows Jesus better or who? I don't know, but it was garbage. It was a, it was a testosterone, you know, male ego kind of competition, kind of chiding one another, trying to posture one another. Uh, and they thought that that meant whoever was better than the others was better or greater in the eyes of the world, right? And we have that kind of feeling all the time in our world too. So Jesus heard them and it says, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Again, 
Jesus is taking another crack at it. He's like, no, 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 you guys got this all wrong. You think, you think comparing one another, competing with one another, whoever beats everybody else is great? No, no, no. I'm telling you, the least among you, the lowest among you, the servant among you, he's going to be the greatest. He's the greatest. And so they think that greatness is being better than others or comparison. But Jesus teaches them that greatness is about being lower than others, not better or higher. Right? In our culture, if you have, you know, like let's take school, you know, who has the best grades? Well, they're the smartest or they're the greatest, right? Who has the best uh, sporting team and who won the game? Oh, they're great because they beat somebody else. Listen, of course, we all love sports. We all love competing and all that. And there's fun and all that. But, but Jesus is talking about something very significant. He's like, you can't, can't take a football game analogy and then apply it to life and say, if you beat everybody, you're great. He's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. That's not greatness in the eyes of God to beat other people or to best other people. Right? Jesus says it's to serve other people. That's greatness. And so that's the second, I think, um, main point I want to make here is that greatness, first of all, is not measured by power. Jesus had all the power, but he gave it away to, to help other people. So greatness is not measured by power, but greatness in this analogy is also not measured by comparison. Just because you're better than somebody, you have a, uh, you know, a better record than them or a better grade than them or uh, better looking than them or more money than them or a higher title than them or something like that, that does not mean you're great. Jesus says just the opposite. The one who goes all the way down, right? Okay, lesson number three, and this is the final one, is in, the, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And he's being really harsh uh, with them. And he's trying to use this as a, as a teaching point. And let me just read a little bit of what he says. Um, there's a lot that he says that I won't have time to read with you now. But at the beginning uh, of chapter 23 of Matthew, he says, um, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they have the authority to dictate the uh, decisions of the Torah or the teachings of the law. And they, they're like judges in a way. For the people, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were dictating to people the interpretations and what that means for everyday life and how to live according to the Torah or the law of Moses, right? So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So we have a problem. We have leaders who are not genuinely leading from a position of example or moral authority, but from a, from a different perspective, perhaps a worldly perspective of loving power or loving position. Okay? So he goes on to say, They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide. So a phylactery was um, quite simply a little box. They would have a box that they would have scripture inside that the Old Testament would say to put his word on your hands, on your forehead. So they would uh, strap these box, a little box with scripture on it to their head, to their forearm, and they would do their prayers. 
So Jesus is like, they're making their boxes really big, right? Really big so they can show everybody, whoa, look at how big my box is. I must be really important. Basically, that's what they're doing. And he says, and, and the tassels on their garments, they're making them long. So there's another uh, commandment to um, put the um, commands on your garments. And so they, they made these seat seats or these strands or cords that would go on their prayer shawl. And they would often, uh, the, I guess kind of the uh, prestige, prestigiousness of a person was in kind of reflected in the colors and also the length of their tassels, right? Almost like today, we have these really cool shoes. And some, some people will wear shoes that are worth five, six, seven, or maybe even up to $1,000. Like, oh, you got Air Jordans, da-da-da-da-da, or something like that, right? Wow, you, wow, that's cool, you know? And so here these guys are extending the length of their tassels. They're trying to make um, an attention-grabbing gesture like look at how holy and pious i am so jesus is saying they've got these big boxes they lengthen their tassels they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues right they love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi rabbi teacher master right they love that in other words they love this title they have a title and they prominate themselves as a person of authority and great piousness and significance. And so Jesus is highly critical of them. And he's saying they're just doing this, you know, as, as a title uh, hungry, worldly leadership style where they're getting all the attention, they're getting all the glory. And they're trying to make themselves prominent among the people. And so in this chapter, a few verses later, Jesus says this quite simply, verses 11 and 12, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about don't do it that way. You're trying to they're trying to elevate themselves. That's the wrong direction to go in the kingdom. Again, we go down to go up in the kingdom. Greatness is not climbing up or over people or getting better than people. Greatness in the kingdom is going down and serving and loving and giving your life away, just like Jesus did. So three different times at least Jesus is trying to drill this into his disciples' hearts. And so the third point I want to make is greatness is not measured by titles or positions, but again, by taking a position of service, of serving, of humility. So this is how Jesus, I believe, defines greatness. Greatness is not measured by power. It's not measured by comparison. It's not measured by titles or, or positions, but by serving others and elevating others above yourself. The race for greatness is not to the top, but to the bottom, right? Now, all of this to say, this is the context of what I have invited these 25 deacons into this style of leadership. And I am inviting all of us as family members to follow in the ways of Jesus. True greatness in the kingdom of God is when you deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow Jesus' way 
and love other people and serve other people and lift other people up. As a family, this is our vision that we will be filled, our family will be filled with servants following after uh, the footsteps of Jesus. And so with that in mind, our deacons are coming into another um, level of care for our entire family. And I want to give you kind of the why, the what, the how, and the when real quick, just so we're all on the same page, because this is so exciting as we are raising up servants to love our family and for us to get more healthier and stronger together. So first of all, the why. Um, well, because the Bible says that when we are doing this life together and as a, as a under-shepherd, as a pastor, I'm responsible for your care. If you, if you are a member of the Real Life family, me and the elders, we're responsible for your care. The responsibility comes from Jesus himself. The Bible says in Acts 20, 28, keep watch over yourselves in all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So we're called, I'm called as, a, as an elder and a pastor, to shepherd you, to shepherd our family, and to watch over you like Jesus watches over all of us. And that's my responsibility. The Bible says that actually we must give an account for you before Him. So I need to do a good job of caring for you. I need to make sure that we're doing a good job of caring for our family. And I need help to do that. Um, in our early years as a church, our elders and founding, founding pastors, Bob and Sherry Koch, did an amazing job of caring for our church family and keeping watch over, over everyone. We had a very strong relational connection across the body and people's needs and situations were more readily known through the proximity of these relationships. We were so relational. And in our early years, our average weekly attendance was about 125 to 150 people. And then in our middle years, Pastor Bob and I were serving together. We also had a vibrant care pastor ministry, which really helped um, meet the needs of the congregation. We had several lay ministers who would meet monthly uh, to just identify needs in, the, in, in our family, reach out to people, pray for people, visit people, encourage people. And some of these care pastors were our elders. And this worked great for several years. But in recent years, I have failed to really keep that a strong ministry and I haven't replenished it like I ought to have. In addition to this, uh, you know, we have two services now and we have about 250 to 300 people coming to church. So we have a lot more of our family members to keep track of. And I've struggled to keep up with the needs, you know, of our, of our church family. Unfortunately, and with deep regret, I know that some of our family members in recent years have felt unloved or unnoticed or forgotten. We haven't been there for their needs or their time of crisis. And that is, it breaks my heart uh, to say that, but it's true. And over the last couple of years, two to three years, God's really put on my heart, I gotta do something. We gotta do something different to be able to love our family better because, uh, because of these failures of keeping up with our family. And so it's with that in mind, this is why um, God put this on my heart. I've been seeking a, a structure, a model, and this is a very biblical model. I've researched and other churches functions in similar ways to raise up another layer of care to help uh, just keep track of how our family members are doing. And so that's where this came from. This is why we're doing this because it wasn't working 
uh, the way we needed it to work um, moving forward. And so my goal has been for every one of our family members to be prayed for, uh, to be cared for, and to be known. My goal is that no one goes unnoticed, unloved, uncared for, and, uh, and feels unsupported. And so that's the why we're doing this. We're putting in 25 deacons today, uh, and in the near future, we will begin to uh, release um, you know, this ministry to strengthen our family. So that's the why. The what is this new layer is called deacons, as I already said. Over the last couple of years, especially the last six months, been working with some others to help me create this structure um, uh, to develop a care ministry that will not only provide care to all of us in our family and support and love, but it will also provide a path of growth and mentorship for all of us to grow whoever desires. So the word deacon in the Greek, as I mentioned last week, is from the word diakonos, which means serve. It simply means serve, minister, serving, ministering, helping. That's what it means. So we got a bunch of helpers, people who are willing to serve, people who have a heart for God and a heart for our family who said, I'll do it. I'll love. I will be purposefully loving and serving part of the family so that we are all strengthened together. That's what a deacon is. Matthew 3.11, says, Jesus says, The greatest among you will be your servant. I just read this verse a few minutes ago. This word servant is diakonos. The greatest among you will be your deacon. Now, not saying our deacons are great, but I'm saying they are choosing a path of greatness because they're simply choosing to serve. But I'm telling every single one of us as a family, you don't need a title. This is, again, exactly what I just got done saying. This is not about a title. It's not about some authority. It's not about climbing some ladder. This is about people willing to go down and say, I will love, I will do whatever to help this family, to serve this family. And so that's what we're talking about. But I'm inviting every one of us to be great, to serve one another, to serve one another. But we're intentionally putting in a layer of servants in our church to just make sure that every single member in our family is known, prayed for, and cared. I'm so excited. The big idea is for each and every one of us to be able to have a contact, a relationship with someone in a time of crisis, in, in uh, just the, the journey of life, so that we can all flourish and prosper in the Lord. Now, that's the what. We did the why, the what, now the how. The how is that uh, today in our church service, two services, we will be praying for the elders. We'll be laying our hands on these 25 individuals, and many of them are couples, and anointing them and uh, praying for them that God will anoint and equip them to, to, to fulfill this calling in their life to love our family. And with that, we have uh, gone through a process over the last couple of months of identifying candidates, uh, meeting with them individually, talking about the qualifications in Scripture for a deacon, which you can find and read for yourself in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 8 to 13. And asking them to pray about it, asking them to you know, go through the uh, biblical qualifications and testing their own heart. And then we met with all of them together as a large group and talked about this and our vision. And then we invited them to consider doing this. And as they did, 
Um, now today we are confirming that calling in their life and bringing them into place. So this is a super exciting time and each of our deacons uh, will be, you know, having maybe four to 12 members of our, of our family that they will be caring for. Uh, we don't know exactly how we're going to do this yet, but we're going to work towards that. And so I'm asking for you, though, uh, over the next uh, you know, several months as we begin to organize our family this way, that when there is something that's coming up in your life, if there's a crisis in your life or in your family, or there's a difficulty, or there's something like to celebrate, like you have a baby, uh, we want to know these things. We want to be there for you. We want to care for you. And so we're asking for you to, to share your life with your deacon. Like what's going on? You know, if you're having a baby, let us know. If you have a health crisis, uh, let them know. You know, if there's, uh, there's some difficulty going on in your marriage, you don't know what to do, um, share that with your deacon. And your deacon won't be able to fix everything. That's not what they're there for. They're there to pray for you. They're there to care for you. But they're also there with your permission to share these significant challenges or moments in your life with an elder who's over them, caring for them. So our elders can know what's going on and we can help you. We can be there for you. We can serve you and support you in your time of need. And so every deacon um, will also have an elder who's loving them, praying for them, caring for them, and doing the same thing that we're asking our deacons to do for our members. And there's really three things I'm asking our deacons to do for each of the members that they'll be caring for. Number one is to know them, to build a relationship, a connection with them. And, and we see doing that just by just connecting once a month, just how are you doing, checking in, uh, what's happening in your life, you know, how are things going, how's your family, right? So that's the first one, just to, to know and to connect with you. But the second is to pray for you weekly, to be praying for you and your needs and your family and for you to know that there's someone that's praying for you, that God's will will be done in you and his kingdom will come to you uh, in, throughout your life. And then thirdly, if there is a moment of crisis or difficulty or a great moment of celebration that, that is going on in your life, we want that deacon to be a liaison to the elder so that we could communicate back with you and be a support to you in what you're going through. So that's how I feel like this is going to really strengthen our family so that no one feels alone, no one feels unsupported, no one feels unloved, that everybody is known, everybody's prayed for, everybody's cared for. So that's the, the how. Now, the when. The when is today we are ordaining our deacons to serve, but over the next couple of months, actually going to spend some time with all of our deacons and going through and doing some training and talking and figuring all this out and how we're going to care for the family. And uh, because we don't have enough deacons to care for everyone yet, I'm going to be recruiting uh, more deacons, asking for more people to consider stepping into this role later this spring, uh, late next summer. And at that time, we're hoping by a year from now, all of our family members are connected to a deacon. Everybody's being prayed for. Everyone's being cared. Everybody's being... Um, you know, has a liaison for what's going on in their life. So it's going to be kind of a slow rollout as we train people, as we bring more people on board, uh, and as we start to communicate to you and to each one of our family members how this is going to work. So it's going to be, it starts now, but it's really not going to start for a while because we're starting with our leaders and training them and equipping them and how to love you and care for you and be there for your family. So it's going to be 
please be patient with us. Some people might get some information about having a deacon sooner than others because we're still trying to figure all that out. But as new members uh, from our membership classes are coming up, we'll also be bringing them into a place where they have a deacon too so that everybody's being connected, everyone's being loved, prayed for, and cared. So I'm super excited about this. Each of our deacons are stepping into a two-year commitment, which they can renew every two years of caring for you, caring for our family, and it's a big step for them, a big sacrifice for them. And we are so thankful how God has raised up so many wonderful people with a heart for God and a heart to build and strengthen and love our family. And uh, so I'm super excited about this. And I pray that if you got any, hey, if you got any questions, don't, don't hesitate to ask us. I'm trying to communicate this as best I can, but we're going to figure it out together as we go forward. I believe this is of the Lord. Uh, the elders and I have been praying over this and working towards this for a couple of years now. And so we're so excited about being able to bring another layer of care to our family. So today we'll be doing that. Um, and I'm excited for our future together. This is part of our vision as a family that we continue to grow and prosper together that we have a structure and um, a way for each one of us to be able to be loved and, and be connected and belong to this family. So each of us can also play our part and we can be that for someone else. So let's pray together. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to share this today. And we thank you for our real life family. We thank you, God, that you have called us together to, life, to do life together. And I thank you for the 25 deacons that today we're going to be praying for and releasing into this ministry. I just pray and we pray, God, that you just equip them with everything they need to love and care for our body, to have wisdom and grace, and for them too to prosper in all that you've called them to do, that our hearts will continue to be um, soft towards you, that all of us will continue to humble ourselves before you, and that we will all pursue greatness in your eyes by serving and loving one another. Jesus, thank you that you gave your life that we can have life. You modeled this for us. May we continue to model this to one another. Thank you that you who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, you went from the very top all the way down to the very bottom to bring us back up to you for all eternity. Today, we receive you, Lord, as our Savior. We place our faith in you today, thanking you that you're the Son of God. You not only gave your life, but you were raised from the dead, guaranteeing that all who place their faith in you will also be resurrected unto life eternal. So we rejoice and we celebrate in our common bond as sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. May you bless our day, bless our week, bless our family. Help us, Lord, to fulfill the purpose you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.